Last week, I got a chance to go to Florida for a conference. So that meant, you know, I was flying from Dallas to Orlando, you know, the home of the mouse-eared one. The happiest place on Earth. Apparently. But the plane ride there is not necessarily the happiest place on Earth. Because typically, there's lots of kids on the plane. And sometimes flying and kids don't mix real well. And and on my flight... Well, no, no, no. It, I understand it because I'm a parent now. So I and I've I've been on a plane where my son was actually thrown off the plane when we landed. <laughs> you know, they parted the ways so that we could get out, we could get off the plane because he had been crying pretty bad for the you know the final ten minutes of the flight because he had an ear infection. So that's not a good oh, deal. Yeah. But this time on the way out, it was a Thursday morning. So there's usually all kinds of little families, you know, all kinds of families on this flight and. There were three sections of families uh, spread out throughout the plane where the kids were just not crying, screaming yeah. on some of them. And it's just like I'm sitting next to these businessmen and they're just going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, hey, but they're going to the happiest place on earth. And that doesn't matter at all. So. <laughs> But flying is interesting then because sometimes you feel like you're trapped and there's no way you can get out. I know. Hey, which you know what? What? Sometimes marriage can feel that way, can it? I wondered where you absolutely. (laughs) This is Sexy Marriage Radio, Dr. Corey Allen and Gina Paris, where we are having honest conversations about the good and the bad of marriage. But typically we go about the good because one of the best things in marriage is a great sex life. And that's what we want to help people have. Yeah. So you can find us at SexyMarriageRadio.com. And we'd also like to hear from you at feedback at SexyMarriageRadio.com. Or feel free to call us. Give us your thoughts at 615-56-SEXY-6. Well said, Corey. Well, you know, I I do what I can to try to stay up and stay hip. (laughs) (laughs) So, question. We've got questions. One of the things that I ran on Simple Marriage, which is my other home, you know, you and I both have different email or homes Mm -hmm. online as well as here on the radio. And one of the things I ran on Simple Marriage was an old post entitled 14 Ways to Ruin Sex Guaranteed. Yeah, which was supposed to be really funny. I know everyone thought it was funny. Yeah, and it it generally is. I mean, because some of them are, you know, make sure you only touch your spouse with the goal of sex in mind and make sure you tweet about it before, during, and after. Make sure you answer the phone. Make sure you're quick and done and don't don't cuddle. You know, it's it's all the whole not-to-dos. But one of them, this time when I ran it, is interesting because there was a, a whole serious thread um, began in the comments where I, I don't think it was overlooked that it was just kind of a sarcastic post. I think it was just, okay, somebody read it and realized, Hey, there's some deeper things here. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it. And so they did. And they kind of opened the door and some great discussion occurred on along more serious lines. But a lot of them came from the idea of you should expect sex simply because you're married. Yeah. That was your, that was your number one way to ruin sex. Right. And lots of people reading it are like, whoa, what? <laughs> why are we, why is this considered a, 
way to ruin sex. Well, we thought this was a given. Expect sex because you're married. So I'm, I guess I'm a bit confused. Mm-hmm. Because the whole idea is if I expect sex just because I'm married, I am going to ruin it. Right? I know. That's so funny because it comes down to your attitude, I think. If we feel entitled or if we feel... You know, is sex an entitlement or is it a gift? Right, and that's and here's here's the rest of that little post. I mean, because that little point that little point of expect sex simply because you're married says every marriage partner should fulfill their marital duty. Wait, therefore, did you say should? Yes, I did. Therefore, they owe you sex. It's one of the benefits of being married. They said I do to you, so they should do you. Oh, we said should twice. Oh yeah, well, and that's just the whole idea. You know, when you should on yourself. You, you ruin things. hate that word. I know. I can't even bring myself to use it. Well, I did should. several times. We should. Why well, no? Because you were being facetious, <laughs> you cranky expert. Yeah, that's me. No, but lots of the readers responded with should. Well, let's go this route then. Is sex in marriage? Because we've talked about before. Sex in, a, in, the, in the marriage relationship is what differentiates this relationship from all the others. That's one of the main qualifiers that changes this relationship from everything else that you have. Because it's not about, hey, let's just go have sex with anybody I want. You know, obviously you could choose to do that. There's major consequences when you choose that. But is sex an expectation? Is sex, is, is, an, is it an obligation? In marriage. Yes. Okay. So how do you, what do we do with that then? Because obviously there is one of the perks for being married. That is one of the reasons, you know, especially if you grew up in the, in the household I grew up in or in the, in the religious bent I grew up in that totally squashes the whole idea of premarital sex and just comes down on it as it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. So therefore, okay, let's just go get married so I can have sex. Okay. But yet, just because you get married and the whole world's open to you, you still got a whole lot of stuff to overcome. And part of that is the obligation aspect of, well, it's my duty. It's something I'm supposed to do. So typically, if a couple has a higher desire spouse and a lower desire spouse. The higher desire spouse is going to think to himself, you are supposed to uh, be here for me sexually. And the lower desire spouse feels resentful of the expectation. Right. Right. Which which further alienates both the, both the, the, the aspects of the desire, the high and the low. It kind of right. broadens that gap between them. Right. Or the lower desire sees it as a, another chore. In a, well, I think that's typically what evolves too, isn't it? That Sure. I mean, if you if you view something as an obligation, it's it, you might as well just put it on a to-do list or a chore list. Put it up on the mm-hmm. fridge. Yeah. <laughs> fridge. <laughs> and that way you could check it when it's done. Uh, I right. Okay, so Which that's make- a, that's the furthest you can get from passion and love. And pleasure. And eroticism and pleasure and all of it. And, and isn't it? Yeah, which is why you feel the pain of the person who feels so rejected and like their spouse is not holding up that side of the deal. Okay. So let's come at it from two ways then. Okay. Let's play the role of the high desire person. 
Okay. And you're basically being trapped. Yeah, you feel ripped off. Number one, most of the people listening to the show had sex before they got married. So they're used to having a lot of sex. They got married. All the love cocktails worn off. And now, you know, we're, we're realizing there's a different sex drive here. And then there's this frustration. And the higher desire spouse is angry because they feel like they had false advertising. Well, yeah, they were sold a bill of goods. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody that went into a relationship, even if you were abstinent prior to, even if both yeah. of you were prior to, sure. there's still this whole, I've yet to come across any any married couple where there wasn't that hint of, oh man, sex is going to be spectacular between us. This is going to be great and it's going to be all the time. And, it, and I haven't found anybody that said, oh yeah, I'm going to get married, but we're not having sex still when I'm married to you. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, good. That doesn't happen because typically if you're the high desire partner and the low desire partner is really celibate and wants to stay that way the rest of their life. And if they came out and just flat out said it, I'm going to be willing to bet the high desire would move on. That would so, be a deal breaker. Oh, yeah. Okay. This marriage is off. You know, and that's a good point. So, and sometimes I feel worse for the guys who write in or the couples that write in and say, man, we waited till we had set, you know, we yeah. waited and here's the big disappointment. Yeah. I never would have dreamed there'd be never sex happening. Yeah. And usually it, it evolves, deteriorates to the obligation sex. When you say that that's kind of true, that it, it doesn't just start off that way. Because everybody kind of has the interest of, yeah, that's something I'm interested in. Let's do this. Let's explore this. Let's figure this out. But then it kind of deteriorates, if you will, to, oh, okay. So a quick fix is not possible. If it takes a while to get into the situation, it takes a while to get out of the situation. I know it didn't for me, though. It was of one night. <laughs> it changed my, you know, <laughs> but just so typically. Okay. You might be the exception. I, that's why I made the whole sexy marriage solution. I'm with you. I think for a lot of people, there there is a there's a simple block there. I'm with you. Um, but I get what you're saying emotionally. So if you're the high desire partner, what can you do? If you feel like you've been sold a bill of goods, that they are not upholding their end of the bargain, because it does take two to have a healthy sex life. It takes two to have sex. Well, I think. There's, I'm going to speak to two different low desire spouses. One is the one who just withholds because she just doesn't feel like doing it. Okay. The other one is like me. I couldn't get aroused and I wanted to. So to me, that's two totally different. That's, okay. that's why in my case, I was able to turn things around in a, in a night when I learned a technique to master that mind body connection. Okay. Cause I wanted to, but so, so that's two different frustrating deals because you know in my case it was, was years of tears and crying and frustration and Paul being mad and me not knowing what was wrong with me so that's one thing but if 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 she's capable of mercy sex though you know and she's in and this low desire spouse him or her is just withholding then I think it's fair for that higher desire spouse to let them know how serious that is because that spouse would not probably go out cheating like we don't consider it in the same realm as unfaithfulness and it is okay okay and so i think the higher desire spouse has the right to say listen this is not fulfilling our vows 
if I was out screwing around, you would feel like you had cause to leave me. Mm-hmm. But here I am having okay. not this so that's, end of the thousand. That's a help. big move. That's a very big move. Makes I, the way I think of it is it's a, it's a high desire partner basically stating to their spouse, I would like for you to make yourself more available to me sexually. I don't know how long I will wait, but it is a deal breaker. Yeah, I think that needs to be clear in the beginning because there's so many times people are waiting until, you know, they've got these great children and they've got this all this time invested in a relationship together and they didn't get a handle on this early. There's a lot of pain there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, typically we tell that higher desire spouse, um, you have to get uh, over the anger so that you're not approaching your mate in an angry state because it's just going to shut that person down. Well, and it's also the idea of if if you know, I, okay, we'll, let's go. Let's stay with the stereotype of the gender, just for sake of arguments and discussion's sake. That we'll, we're going to put the female in the low desire and the male in the high desire. And we're perfectly aware that maybe 30% of <laughs> the examples. time is yeah. the opposite role. So okay. it, it's almost like the idea of you need to stop, as a man, you need to stop trying to make her like you. You know, because it's one of those, okay, if she's a low desire and you're trying all these different ways to get sex on in, happening in the relationship and they're not working, trying them harder is not going to help. Probably not. And that's why the guys are extra angry. They're yeah. saying, I do this and I do this and yeah. I do this and there's no reciprocation. Yeah, because it's, it's like that idea if I'm trying for a certain response and I'm not getting it, just doubling my efforts not going to help get that response. I mean, that's the definition of insanity. <laughs> but it might if that woman understands the depth of the pain. Well, because but we okay, but the understanding... The understanding of the depth of the pain requires making a big move and putting it out there, doesn't it? And saying yeah. something like that idea of, hey, I, I want to have a discussion about this because what I feel like is this is breaking our commitment to each other. And so if you look at it on the other scale, just like you mentioned earlier, I'm not out sleeping around. I'm also stuck because you're not interested. So something's got to change. Okay. Which calls into question your own contribution to it too, as the guy and as the high desire partner. How are you playing it? Is sex just all about you? So therefore, why would she get on board with that? You know, those are some honest questions you have to confront and be willing to address. Yeah, that's why we love to help couples take the steps to a beautiful, healthy sex life, because that is the reward and the steps that you take to, to connect intimately, spiritually, emotionally, physically are the steps that build a healthy relationship, we would hope. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's that idea of the responsibility is on you. And so if you're the high desire partner and you're the male... I fully believe the masculine can wake up that in the feminine, at least 
kind of start down that path. She's got to get on board and make it happen. You can't just do it all. I mean, she's got to, yeah. it's like what you talked about, Gina, because I'm sure Paul did all kinds of different things to try to help you within the arousal area, at, at yeah. least attempt. And so it's, it, you know, you still have to have a point of, okay, I'll take the, I'll take the reins now and, and, and take care of my own arousal and figure out what's going on and, and, and kind of grow myself up in that area. But I'm convinced that as a man, you, the masculine can wake that up in the feminine. And part of the way you do it is you up your masculine. Yeah, absolutely. Which is in absolute direct contrast to pouting. Exactly. Because the, I think the, the fleshly response is to pout. And it's also in direct contrast to doing more chores around the house and trying to make her happy. I don't think that's the masculine. That's the, that's kind of a, there's an alpha trait in a male and then there's a beta trait in a male. That's beta traits, which are good mates kind of stuff. That's, mm -hmm. you can take care of the kids. You can take care of food. You can do a lot of things that help run a life in a household. Those are all beta traits. Alpha traits are the more dominant kind of stuff. The, the require your strength, your ability, your, and it, it could be your mental strength. I mean, but if you kind of up that, that's what wakes up the feminine. I know, which is so funny because it's so energetic. It's not because the energy that the mindset and the power that you do that stuff in is what makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. You can. If you are, if you're a guy and you're standing in your masculine power and you know who you are and what you're going after, or what you're bringing to the household, what strength you provide your woman and you do help her take stress off of the daily life from that place, that is so arousing. What yeah. Corey's saying when it's a total beta, you know, weak trait is when you're <laughs> mousing around like, please, I took out the trash and emptied the dishwasher. Can I? <laughs> Grab your breast now. <laughs> no. Oh man, that just sounds so masculine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, like you, you never, you never put out, and I did all this for you. So, stay in your strength. Yeah, and that and that takes right. some that takes some identity growth. That takes some solid sense of self to know. Yeah. Look, this is the path I'm on. And if you're not willing to get on board, you may be left behind. Yeah, but hopefully it just opens dialogue and well, opens opportunity for all the things that we've talked about in past ways, how to have these conversations and, and say, I miss you physically. Yeah. You know, how can we connect? I feel like this is a problem that we're enduring. It's not, <laughs> there's something wrong with you, woman. Right. Right. Every chick at the office would have me if she could. Like, shut up, you know. Just <laughs> well, but okay, that's on to something though. You okay. don't say that. It's not. A, it's not the statement as a manipulation. It's you live that. You you live knowing I am worth wanting. I am valuable. I am attractive to other people. Not that you're you're seeking it out. Not that you're trying to make it happen. But you live like you you are because you are. That will wake up your spouse. Dude, that will wake up your career. Yeah. That will wake up your basketball game. That will take four strokes off your golf game. It's about living in the finished work of who you are and 
how, that's how you live life. That's yep. what we say it all the time. How you do sex is how you do anything. Yep. So hopefully that helps this higher desire person. Yeah, and it's a risky move because it is one of those that you realize you are putting the entire relationship on edge. Because even, I mean, I think we've mentioned this before in a prior show, even a relationship that has no sex or very little sex going on or it's just mercy sex, it's still a stable relationship in the current state it's in because it's known. It's everybody understands it that's involved. They just kind of know that's what it is. So making a move like this will put things on edge and you risk the relationship. But that's also the only way I know to grow to a deeper relationship, to a better relationship, to get beyond the, oh, our marriage is great, but your sex life sucks. In reality, your marriage isn't great. I know that's really painful I, because I think that this for the low desire spouse, they so often just don't see it. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, it's great. You often one one spouse in any marriage is going to think it's much better than the other. Oh, sure. That's why, that's why when one leaves, the other's completely blindsided. To a degree. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> They're not when they really, I think, you know, when you look back on it, you realize, okay, mm -hmm. I see how that happened. I see how that evolved to what it did. So is it can unconditional love? This is, this was a good question in your thread. Can unconditional love, cause we're saying, you know, it quit being so selfish. If you're, if you're operating in this agape thing, Mm -hmm. Then can that coincide with expectations? But is and, is agape love associated with marriage? I think all of them are agape and phileo and eros. Okay. If we're going to talk Greek, uh, no, I'm fine with that. But that's all I can. That's as far as I can go when we're talking Greek. <laughs> I took a year of it in college, but I don't remember any of it. <laughs> so friendship and and eroticism and unconditional. You know, I'm here no matter what. Made a quality decision for this relationship. Right. Can that coincide with expectations? And one of your readers pointed out, well, God does. He is unconditional love and he has really clear expectations. And there's just consequences. Right. You know, just not doing stuff a specific way brings its own consequences. I don't think it's God's up there saying, oh, because you did this, I'm going to do that. Doing stuff just brings its own It's a natural response to what happens, to what we choose. Exactly. The yeah. biblical thing is the wages of sin is death. You yeah. know, it's not saying somebody's going to kill you. It's saying that certain actions bring death when the goal and the, and the design was life. So as a mate, don't you want to look at your spouse and see the best in them and say, how can I bring out the best in them? Because now I want to talk to the low desire spouse. Yeah. But it is one of those because the way things are created and designed, there's you, you can kind of understand what's going to happen based on what we choose. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you take when you harness that, I think you can then utilize it better. Mm hmm. Okay. For life, yeah. for power, yeah. for unity, for this marriage that we we design, that we want. Yeah. You know, 
It's just that there's so much capacity for so much beauty, and your past absolutely does not have to dictate your future. Right. We, we, that's our own. Our, our beliefs are what dictate our future. You can separate your beliefs from your past in any moment. Yep. So, um, to this, the, the wife who's feeling like, you know, she hates this pressure to perform, this obligation, this anger around sex. Gosh, you, we can reframe how we see it. Okay, but that, that requires a, a big stance for her or a big move for her. Then, it requires change. Yeah, that's just it. And oftentimes, the interesting thing is, when it comes to the idea of change, and when you put it in a relationship context, oftentimes we want the people around us to make us feel comfortable to be able to make a change. You know, before we'll make a change, I want to make sure I'm safe before I may mm-hmm. try something else on. But in reality, that ain't going to happen because <laughs> what you're doing is making the whole thing uncomfortable. I don't know because it could be uncomfortable or it could flip a switch. Well, and that's just it. I mean, usually when you get through the anxiety of the change, you discover so much greater on the other side. It's the idea of if you work out for any length of time, I say that, you know, you all of a sudden you wake up one morning and go, whoa, who's that in the mirror? I kind of like that. And so that, then there's extra motivation to keep going. Yeah, and you miss a workout and you're restless because mm-hmm. you missed a workout where it used to be impossible to drag yourself there. But, okay, so let's. what about this for rather than – because I would think for the low-desire partner, the low desire, we use your own experience, Gina, for the 14 years. <laughs> to try to tackle that issue is basically climbing Everest. I know my kid, I, it was so odd to me because I didn't have all this baggage thinking sex was bad, thinking Paul was unsexy. I don't know, but, but I did hate. I'm going to be willing to bet pressure that there's other little things that helped contribute to the switch finally being flipped. That maybe you don't realize, maybe you didn't, you know, it's not conscious, but it was just kind of. You know, we got all these issues like, okay, I've got an issue in my marriage that I, that's just really driving me crazy. But along with that, I probably am letting some other things slide as well. I probably am dealing, you know, I'm not being as disciplined at work or I'm not being as disciplined someplace else. You know, little slips because we just don't live compartmentalized lives. So right. one thing that you could do as a low desire partner, as a low desire person is Rather than trying to figure out, okay, I, I have tried everything I can think of when it comes to sex. I can't figure out how I can be aroused. I can't figure out how I can want it. Blah, 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 blah. Well, all right, look at some of the other things. Maybe there's some small victories that can be done that will also create some momentum for this one. Absolutely. Well, and I, I'll, I say that to women all the time. To do what you can to feel great for yourself. We mm-hmm. have to feel great about ourselves. And usually if we're naked and, and anger, you know, there's anger projected at us in that most vulnerable place and we just hunker down. Yeah. So absolutely to, to, yeah, that's great. Do something that makes you feel good. Because if you start, and I, I'm doing you as in a relational context, as right. both, as both members of a, of a marriage, 
start making progress towards better sex, if that's the goal. If, if little movements are made, the high desire partner will notice it and, and be okay with it as long as it's moving towards something better. Well, let, give an example. Well, it's, it's, okay, let's just use frequency as a, as a quantifier because that's something that's pretty easy to kind of monitor on <laughs> how often are you having sex? <laughs> yeah, okay. I can cut, I can tell you if it's once, twice, three, four, five, whatever, a month or a week, whatever. So if, if I have been in a marriage of sex is once a month mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden due to, the low desire partner or both being more cognizant and aware and trying to change some things. So now we're going to two times a month. I've just doubled it. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty obvious sign that, Hey, maybe some things are shifting and you realize it's a work in progress. You realize it's a evolving and improving towards things. It's not just a, Okay, we've been once a month for 15 years. Now we are going to be three times a week. You know, it could, it could may, maybe happen that way, but more than likely it's going to be kind of an evolving, you know, a gradual improvement. And the high desire partner, if they usually, if they're objective at all, they'll realize things are getting better. It's still not what I want yet, but things are getting better. Which usually right. then increases the interest and excitement of them as well. Well, it's going to be the same counsel as the attitude that we mentioned to the higher desire dude. For the woman, if it means you're opening yourself up a little bit more, do it with gusto. Do it expecting pleasure. Do it from your feminine strength. As a woman that, you know, move forward as the kind of woman that you would like to be, a woman who's strong and, and sensuous and successful and it, see yourself past all the stuff that's stressing you out right now and, and operate from that place. Mm-hmm. And again and again, we're going to say, come at everything towards your mate from the very best in you towards the best in them. Believe, look for the best. Yeah. Really just come at it from what's most solid within you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to tell you guys, stop, for God's sake, stop rehearsing 20 times a day how bad it is. Don't (laughs) tell yourself. Don't write on everybody's forum. I mean, we understand sometimes you just want to express it and be heard, and we totally get that. But listen, if you are going to say it and say it and mutter it to yourself, you are absolutely meditating on it. And in that, you make that so much bigger and stronger and solid when you can choose to focus on what's great. Mm-hmm. You could say, man, I've got a good guy. Yeah. I, I do this all the time. I got a great guy. And it's not man. even just relational. It's, it's what's your Absolutely. own self-talk. Exactly. One of the things that I heard at this conference I was just at is somebody quoted some, ref- some research that said, in general, 70% of our self-talk is negative. negative. Right. So it's just get a handle on what do I say to myself, not just relationally, in everything. Mm-hmm. And and change that from 70%, if you're an average, quote unquote, to 65%. I mean, that's a huge shift. Mm. You know, one percentage point makes a big difference. Yeah, I'll tell you, being positive is just so much sexier. Yeah. It is. And that's, and that really comes down to 
You live in the moment. You go after what you want from the best in you and you don't let, and you let go of whatever could come out of it. You know, you let go of the attachment to the outcome of it. You just let what you really want drive you. And do it in everything. Yep. Live that out in your career and see how, how attractive that is. Yeah, because that makes a big, big difference to those around you. Absolutely. It typically turns them on. It stirs some things because they realize, wow, I got it good. Well, and it makes them more confident. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, very good. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. We are glad you joined us. We would love to hear from you. So jump on sexymarriageradio.com. Give us your feedback, your thoughts, your criticisms. <laughs> Whatever's on your mind, we want to know. So, yes, I think sex is an expectation. <laughs> well, it's definitely part of marriage, and we want it to be a great part of marriage. So, on that note, have lots Go more have, sex. Yeah, even a little more sex. Just enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>